So what I want to start with is um, something that I read recently in a actual magazine article, like a magazine where you open it with pages and things like that. Um, I'm not cool enough to actually do like magazine or have a magazine like subscription, but someone bought one for me. Um, and I like it a lot. And I actually like not having a screen. I know this is hard like to start out with something that's a little confusing, like actual paper magazine. But it's a real thing. They still exist. Um, and this has some stories about God um, and about life. Um, and uh, one was I ran across. It was, it was uh, really interesting, super impactful to me right off the bat. Um, it tells a story. Um, this this uh, girl, this lady named Michelle Thornberry Patterson, writes a story about her childhood. Um, and she explains her childhood. She explains where she grew up. And she explains that uh, she grew up with her dad as a world-renowned outdoorsman, not unlike myself. And she grew up in rural Alberta, Canada. Not enough of you know that that was funny, that world-renowned outdoorsman thing. Um, in rural Alberta, Canada, which I'm assuming is like Texas Hill Country, but slightly nicer. Um, maybe a lot nicer. I've seen pictures. It is like the most beautiful place you've ever seen on earth. And she grew up with her dad going on adventures every day out into the wilderness. Every day she, that he wasn't working, he was with her in these amazing wilderness. And she starts to explain her childhood. And she writes, my dad was always inviting my brother and me <laughs> into adventure. We made creekside campfires on northern summer nights when the sun stays high until 10 p.m. By the time I was eight, I could bait my own hook, gut a fish, load a 22, start a campfire, and tell the difference between elk, deer, and moose tracks. And in the, in the winter, we ran a rabbit trap line tromping through deep snow behind Dad. We ice fished with two hooks on a line and pulled up perch in twos for hours. My childhood was idyllic in so many ways. I don't know about you, but that sounds incredible. To some of you, it doesn't sound great because you have to be outside, but it sounds amazing to me. And the stuff she picked up and the adventures she was able to go on with her dad and that he was present with her in a beautiful place like, like Alberta, Canada. And so to me, it doesn't sound like it gets better than that. But she goes on in her article. And as you might imagine, she grows up. She writes, as I got older, and more into doing my own thing. I said yes to adventures with my dad less and less. Our adventures grew fewer and farther in between, and I got busy with my own pursuits that really didn't have space for a dad. It's a normal progression, albeit sad. I believe that Michelle's experience with her dad can reflect many of our journeys with the Lord. It becomes a normal progression, albeit sad. As life moves forward, we busy ourselves with many things, most of which are not sinful, many of which actually fall under the umbrella of Christian ministry. And we, begin, we can begin to miss the one thing we can never move on from. We begin to miss the thing that David saw, that Martha's sister knew, and that Jesus commended. So if you guys have Psalm 27 back open, I'm going to read it one more time. 27.4. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. If you can move on to Luke, Luke 10, we're going to go all the way back over there. That'll be all the, the moving I ask you to do tonight. So Luke 10, I'm going to start in uh, verse 38 to give us a little more context of the story that may be really familiar to a lot of us. So it says, Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and that will not be taken away from her. She has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So we see that as David and Jesus bring to our attention, there's one thing that we can't miss. The one thing is simply to be with God, to come into his presence. It's the place where God has meant for everything to start from, everything to come from. And why is this the one thing? Why is it so important? It's because it's at the heart of the gospel. The goal of the gospel is not that we just would be forgiven, but that our forgiveness would lead to being brought back into the presence of God, back into fellowship with God. And we know this from 1 Peter 3.18. It says, For Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the Spirit. Because from the very beginning, like Adam and Eve, we were meant to live in communion with our Creator. But sin broke that. It tore us apart from being living from communion with God, knowing his love for us, enjoying his presence with us. And so when Jesus, when the Father put it in the heart to bring salvation to this earth, to bring his people made to bear his image back, he sent Jesus to accomplish that for us. And his end goal is that we would be back with him. So the barriers that were held up, the sin that took us and ripped us away from the heart of God, Jesus took care of. So at great cost to himself, God sent his son not to condemn the world, but that the world would have life through his name. So sin breaking that communion and us being brought back into life with God, it's amazing how easy it is for us to receive our forgiveness and move on with our busy lives, forgetting the very thing that Jesus died for. And the thing that has, come, has to come before all other things in our Christian life. Jesus and King David were not saying this is the only thing that you'll be about, to spend time with God, to be in his presence. But they were saying that this one thing, the one thing that David sought after, the one thing that would not be taken away from Mary, was the, the thing that, that, that was the source from which everything flows, everything that God wants for our lives, and from our lives comes from this place of being with him. Him being the source made me think about one of my favorite childhood memories, um, my beautiful wilderness experience. I grew up in Florida, and many people would think the beach. I grew up in a beautiful beach town. 
Um, but there's a thing called Florida Springs, which are very interesting because you have to drive a little bit east and you get into some more country experiences than the beach, a little bit more like swampland. And it doesn't look like you're gonna find something that great, but when you get to the place, you, you usually get a canoe and you travel upstream. It doesn't seem like anything very different, but as you keep going, as you keep going, you get to the source of a Florida spring. At the source of this spring is one of the most beautiful places you've ever seen. Before you get there, if you've never been, you're kind of wondering, where am I going? Why are we doing this? This is very interesting. And then you get there and you see that, that there's such force coming up from underneath the earth that it creates a pool. It's the clearest water you've ever seen. It's the clearest, most beautiful water I've ever seen, even including being at Pensacola Beach or Cabo San Lucas. The Florida Spring is the prettiest water I've ever seen. It's absolute clarity. And the other thing is it stays 68 degrees temperature, Fahrenheit, year-round. If it doesn't sound cold to you, it is very cold. If you jump into it, you'll find out it is very cold water. Um, and as I was thinking about this, I was thinking in the same way, coming into the presence of the Lord, the source from which all of our Christian life has to flow, is very like the clarity that you get at the Florida Springs. There's nothing like being in the presence of God. When we get into this presence and the Holy Spirit opens our eyes just to the beauty of the gospel, to the beauty of who Jesus is, to be like David, to seek after the one thing, to get in your temple, to get in the sanctuary and behold the beauty of God. There, with that comes amazing clarity. And when we're not training ourselves, when we're not used to going back to the source, to getting with God, we begin to get accustomed to the lack of clarity in our lives. The lack of clarity of what, it, what we're here for and why we're doing all the things we're doing, especially why we're doing all the Christian things that we're doing, all the things we're doing for God. But when we come back into that source, there's amazing clarity. And the other thing is, there's nothing that wakes you up like jumping in to a cold 68 degree Florida Springs. There's no way you can fall asleep when you jump into that. It wakes you up, it shocks you awake. It, it's also uncomfortable. And I think in the same way, many times coming into the presence of God can many times not be a comfortable experience. For a lot of people in, the script, in scripture, all throughout scripture, it was a shocking experience. And sometimes it can cause the discomfort, but one thing it doesn't do is it doesn't lull us to sleep. We see with clarity and we are shocked awake at why we're here. We're not just traveling, drifting downstream. And in fact, what's so interesting is that to get to the spring takes a lot of effort because the water is coming the other way. And you have to move and you have to paddle and you have to get there. But if we're not intentional, we begin to drift. And what's interesting is when you move further and further away from the source of that spring, the water gets less clear and less clear because the sediment from the riverbanks begins to cloud the water. The further further along you get, it's absolutely opaque. And you can't see anything. And it gets less cold, a little bit like cool water. But the further and further you go, the closer you get to lukewarm. If we are not intent on coming back to the source of all of our Christian life, namely the presence of Jesus himself by the Spirit, we will find ourselves downstream, living in the water that is muddied and only cool. And we begin to forget what it's like to be at the source 
and start to believe this is as good as it gets. And Jesus knew this in John 7. He's at the Feast of Tabernacle. And the last day of the great feast in John 7, a lot of you have heard this before, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me as the Spirit, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And what's interesting is the tradition of the Jewish people in that uh, Feast of Tabernacles was to recite Isaiah 12. Um, and, And as Jesus knew that, he stood up and said, if anyone's thirsty, come. In Isaiah 12, 3, it's one of my favorite verses, it's a prophecy about the coming Messiah. It's pointing to what God would do in this great salvation that the Jewish people were looking forward to. Isaiah 12, 3 says, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In the day of the Messiah, there would be new access to refreshing waters of salvation, and Jesus is pointing to himself with this very prophecy. So how do we come to the source and receive all we need and draw from these wells of salvation? Well, I think it's cool to go back to Psalm 27, 4. David's saying, one thing I've asked of the Lord, what that I'll seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And I was reading that, it stuck out to me, inquire in his temple. And I began to think, well, we don't, where's the temple? And the Jewish people, they had tabernacle that came when they were in the wilderness and then Solomon built the temple it was to host the presence of God God the father lives in heaven but he wants to make his presence known on earth so they had a temple and you fast forward there's a lot that could be said not enough time but Paul in 1 Corinthians 6:19 says or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God So Paul is telling us an outworking of the good news of Jesus. He came and he died for our sins, that we were separated from God, completely separated, with no chance of getting to him. He, at great cost to himself, died for our sins so that we could be living temples, hosting the presence of God here on earth, displaying the kingdom of God, his rule and reign in a broken sinful and dying world, speaking to the world that there is more. There's more than what we're experiencing. There's more than running through life without purpose, without meaning, trying to get day to day, pleasure to pleasure. Jesus wants us to be representatives of the age to come, the world to come, his kingdom here on earth. And that happens as we are temples of the living God. And I think that brings us to Martha, because as I was thinking about Martha's story as she's serving, what I I was thinking is she was most likely in the house with Jesus, as Jesus is teaching, and as her sister Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, as Mary is beholding the beauty of the Messiah, listening to these words and amazed at these words, consuming in the, the way he, by the way, it's kind of described as she's captivated. Mary was in the same house. But she didn't see it. She was serving her heart out and missed the one thing that must come before all the others, to be with Jesus. 
I think God is always available to us, but we are not available always to God. We have the very spirit of God living in us, yet we replace communion with God and life with him with so many other things. We must be successful, so we must constantly work. We have to keep up with the ideal picture of family. There are a hundred good causes that need our time and our money. Ministry needs are abounding, and they need all of my time and my attention. And Jesus is just telling us, he wants us to know that he, what he calls, all that he calls us to will come from being with him first. Those things, many of the things, are not bad things at all. In fact, God wants us to be on mission with him, his mission, not our mission. Jesus, all of his followers were called followers because he said, come, follow me. We're not living our lives and inviting Jesus to join us. He's saying, come, follow me. But he wants us to know that being with him is the way that we step into mission with him. And even Jesus said that eternal life, we heard the word eternal life a lot, eternal life in John 17, 3, is that we would know the Father and know Jesus Christ whom he sent. And that knowing, that word knowing, is not an intellectual knowledge, it is a relational knowledge of how I know my wife, of how I know my best friend. That's God's heart for us. And I, I, that's one thing I, I want I want to believe more, and I have a deep heart that I want us to believe more, is that God wants us to know him. Not only that, he wants us to enjoy him, to delight in him, but all of that does come from setting our lives up in such a way that we can begin to know him more, that we have space in our lives, that we are actually organizing our lives around the one thing, to behold his beauty, to inquire in his, to meditate in his temple, to get to know God, what he's really like, but also to get to know how much he loves us. And if we're not stopping, and we're just moving and moving and moving, and we don't have those rhythms in our life where we're able to stop and receive from the Lord, it will always be a struggle. It will not be a light burden or an easy yoke. And that is Jesus' heart for us. And the amazing thing is that abiding through, abiding through the Spirit um, comes everything else because we are shaped into, into his image. Jesus was really clear. He said, not go bear fruit. He said, abide in me and I in you. As a, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What's interesting about being with someone is um, my, uh, my boys, six-year-old and nine-year-old boy, are now obsessed with golf. And you would ask why that happens or how that happened. And if you knew me, the answer would be very simple. Their dad loves golf. And they live in their house with dad. I've always liked golf since college. And so since they were alive, they know I like golf, swinging in the backyard or having it on TV. And now, my nine-year-old especially, if he is not at school, he's in our front yard, destroying my lawn, taking divots, and I can't, get, I can't get up the courage to tell him to stop because I love it so much. I love that he loves what I love. It brings so much joy to my heart. And that came from being with me. 
we see in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of the glory to the other. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What we do must come from who we are becoming. We don't get instructions from God and go out and accomplish it for him in our own power. That was never God's intention. He wants to shape us into people that look like Jesus and who start to do the things that Jesus did. If we do not seek being with him and seeing him as he is, we will not be shaped into, into his image and we cannot live and love like he did without that. And one quick thing I wanna say is that I know there's a lot to talk about of what this actually looks like and that's a worthy conversation and a worthy talk, um, but not enough time. Um, and I think there's a good reason to not get into all that right now, but it's, it, are we talking about just quiet time? We are talking about quiet time, if you wanna call it that. We're not, talk, we're not just talking about that. And the thing I would really want is for us tonight to open ourselves up to God to speak to us, knowing that his heart is for us and he delights in us and he wants us to be with him and delight in him, that he would open our, our eyes, our hearts up to where he is leading us and drawing us in this conversation. The other thing I wanna say, it's not just alone time. It's not just being quiet with God, though Jesus in Luke 5, it says he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed, often. Our Savior, God in the flesh, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. But it's also a time gathered together as God's people. And when we forsake that, we miss God's presence in a unique and irreplaceable way. When we meet together, because also 2 Corinthians, Paul says, y'all are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Us together are God's temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. So if it's us together, there's something unique that we can't get when it's just by ourselves. And I was, I've also been struck by, it's not just the one thing of being with God and that that's the most, that should be our number one priority. It's that God must come first in all things because that's how it works. Creation started with a creator and everything flows from him. So when we miss that order, things don't work. And I think Peter the Lord's disciple and friend found this out. In John 13, Jesus is talking about his own death. And Peter says, Lord, where are you going? Where I'm going, you cannot come. But Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus told him, you're actually gonna deny me three times. That wasn't great news. But, but Peter, with great confidence, said, I will lay down my life for you. But what's interesting is, Peter did die for Jesus, but not until Jesus died for Peter first. Peter had to experience the love of his friend and savior, and then by the filling of the spirit, experience and understand the implications of what his Lord did before Peter loved Jesus to the point of going to his own death for the name of Jesus. So I think a lot of times we, we realize the radical obedience that Jesus calls us to has to flow from us understanding and experiencing 
the love that, that God has for us. And I think in the same way that Peter experienced in his martyrdom, it has to be that same order. Jesus must come first. His love for us must be first. We love him because he loved us first. And God only gets the glory if he's the source of the good works. It has to flow from him into you and out into the world. Streams of living water. If you leave the source and try to make things happen for God, even if you succeed, you've failed. He must be first. The other thing that um, was convicting to me as I, as I thought through these things and I felt God um, really pulling me towards this idea of this one thing was the reality that, it, that it's possible for us to lose sight of it, to know and taste of the goodness of God, his love for us, to know that experience of doing things from the power of his spirit, from enjoyment of God, rather than strict devotion or duty, but that our sacrifices, our hard work, our laying down comes from a place of love, a place of enjoyment. I think that's how God designed us to live. That's how, what God designed us to operate in. And I realize that it is possible for us to lose sight of that love. In Ephesians, Paul prays for the Ephesian church. Um, it's one of my favorite prayers um, in the whole scripture. He, he tells them, I'm praying that you would be strengthened in your inner being by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you might comprehend the height, the depth, the width, the breadth of the love of Christ, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and to be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul knew in the Ephesian church, he saw the love of God that had captivated their hearts, that he saw the gospel come into the, the city and grab this group of people and give them a deep affection for Jesus who had saved them and brought them into the family of God, separated. Gentiles, not a part of the, the, the Jewish family, brought into fellowship with God, into the family with an inheritance. And then it's so interesting because in Revelation 2, Jesus um, has letters to the church, um, to different churches, and he commends them for things and then he speaks to them and corrects them on things, and he shows them what they've been missing. And one of them was to the church in Ephesus, the same church that Paul had prayed that beautiful prayer. Um, in Revelation 2, he commends them for their endurance. He commends them for staying strong, for not uh, growing weary and not leaving the faith. And he commends them for hating the things that God hates, that, the, that not conforming to the ways of this world that were evil. He commends them for that. But then he also says in Revelation 2, verse 4, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. They lost sight of the source, and he wanted to remind them and call them back to that intimacy. Jesus knows that we can't go much further. We can't continue down all the things that he's calling us to. To live the, the self-sacrificing life of love 
that his people are called to towards one another and displaying it out into the world when they leave the love that you had at first, when they abandon the intimacy that they were meant to have with their Savior. And I, I find it to be a beautiful thing that Jesus would want to do that for them. I think sometimes, and I don't know about you guys, but when I read those letters sometimes in, uh, in Revelation when Jesus is talking to the churches, it hurts my heart a little bit because maybe I'm a little too sensitive, but I'm like, oh, that's a little harsh, Jesus. I wouldn't have put it that way. But I think we have to really see and understand his heart is exploding for us to live in the fullness of that, all that God came for, all that Jesus came for. He came that we might have life and life abundant. And he desperately doesn't want us to settle for less. So I hope that encourages us. I hope that I receive that as encouragement, that what God wants for all of us and what he wants for me is that we would step into that eternal life of knowing him and being filled up with him, being filled to all the fullness of God, like Paul prayed for the Ephesian people who had lost, who had, another translation is laid aside the love that they had at first. And God desperately wants us to be in relationship with him that way. The reason we love relationships, the reason we need relationships is because we are made in his image and he wants us to have that with himself. So I want to finish the story um, of Michelle with her dad, the world-renowned outdoorsman in Alberta, Canada. She continued to write um, in the article uh, that she grew up. She did grow up and she got married and she had kids and she moved on and lived her life. And then she tells a story that during COVID quarantine, she had to go check or wanted to go check on her parents. And she had to go by herself. And that part of the deal was that she had to be there for two weeks to quarantine. So with no kids, no nothing, she got uh, to be with her, her parents um, for two weeks. And she continues the story that this unique time and she writes as she's there with her dad as a grown adult lady with kids that dad was wanting to get out and scout some areas. I'm quoting her now. Dad was wanting to get out and scout some areas to put up tree stands. And I offered to lend a hand. The nostalgia was thick for me as we loaded up the truck. Being the only kid sitting up front with my dad again was surreal. It made me need to stop for ice cream. When we got to our first scouting location, he handed me a walking stick and I fell in behind him. We were 10 yards in and my mind was snapped back open to everything I, I now know because of being in that very position, tromping behind dad. The time, she continues, the time, the miles, the shared beauty. My brother and I picked up a wealth of knowledge about the outdoors because of the way our dad included and engaged us. It is the way he offered what he knew in an experiential, time-spent kind of way. He wanted to be with us. The wild and very skill set now we now have is just a byproduct of being with him. Michelle recognized and was reminded of something. She was reminded that on the unexpected journey with her dad during COVID quarantine, she was reminded what it was like to be with him again. The purity of it, the joy, and the ease. And I think our Father wants us that for us too, Hope Church. 
to remember what it's like to be with him and to enjoy him and to receive his love, not to build something for him or to perform. And even as she hiked along and got her hands dirty, hunting elk or gutting fish, the burden was light because she was with her dad. The mission they were on was not burdensome, and the hard work they had to do was not heavy load because of the presence of her father. And um, I feel that strongly for us um, because I know, speaking to Hope Family, um, we're a church that desperately wants to be on mission for God, to not waste our lives um, with the things that the world tends to waste our lives with. Um, But I know that the heart of God is that we would be with him and grow to understand his heart, to know his heart, and to enter into that mission with him, with joy and with ease, to know what Jesus meant by the burden is easy and the yoke is light. But most of all, Michelle remembered how being with her dad spoke deeply to her of how she was loved. She writes, being with him is how I knew I was valuable and worth endless, time, endless hours of dad's time. The with was love, and it set the stage for me to believe I was lovable, and he wanted to be with me. I'm convicted that we cannot love him or love like him until we know how we are loved by him. All of our love for him and others must come from experiencing the love that he has for us, for me, me specifically, not even us as a body, and he does, but I know me very well, and I know my failures, and I know how how short I fall. But to love him and to come to the place where I can sacrifice, where I can say yes to the journey and adventure, because God, our Father, is calling us into that adventure, the, the biggest adventure that there is. He's making all things new, and he's inviting us into his kingdom to be a part of that story, a part of that mission, to see the kingdom of God come. And it will take sacrifice, and it will be hard, and we'll have to get our hands dirty, and it will take effort. But when we're with him, and when we receive that that mission from the heart of our Father, it doesn't become a chore. It doesn't lack, it isn't muddied with the lack of clarity but it is a absolute beautiful adventure that Michelle experienced, was reminded of when she went back to be with her dad as an adult. Romans 5, 5 says, our hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So as the, the uh, music team comes up, I would love to ask, uh, you guys to um, do whatever God's asking you to do in this moment. To stand and sing if you want to do that. Some of you know that you want to come up and get prayer. I would love for you to do that. I would love for you to come up immediately and actually receive prayer because I think there's so much power in the prayer that happens down here. Um, If there's healing that needs to happen, if there's things that are burdening us, and even if I would say even if it's hard to believe a lot of the things that I talked about tonight, that God wants that for us, 
Um, I think that would be a, a huge prayer point to come and receive prayer for that, to be honest about that, and to be open to what God wants to do. But also, if we want to sit and just receive from the Lord and, and allow him to speak into what he might be saying tonight, allow him to open our hearts and our eyes to what he wants us to believe, maybe again, maybe for the first time, maybe you don't know the Father, the Father who sent his Son to lay down his life for us, that we would know him and be with him forever, that his kingdom will not end. And when we're with Jesus, our life will not end because we are united to him, united to Jesus, the one who did not stay dead and is alive forever and is bringing his kingdom and that will not be stopped. He invites us into that without any prerequisite, just that we would come that invitation is into life with him, not one day in the future. What we'll know perfectly and unhindered in heaven, we have in reality here, even though not in its fullness. And so God invites us into that. And I would just, I would actually ask the Lord where, um, where there's a gap in, uh, in, in how you're believing that, or even the ways or the things that God is putting in your heart of how you're organizing your life and is it being organized around being with God, beholding him, inquiring in his temple, sitting at the feet of Jesus, beholding his glory, being captivated by who he is and the good news of the kingdom of God that pushes out, us out into the world to love our neighbor as ourselves, to lay down our lives for our friends, to live in the way that Jesus comes from him and only comes from being with him. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you um, for Hope Church and thank you for your word. Thank you that this reality is a reality and that our world doesn't um, know of it, but we can tell them about it. And you call us to tell them. You call us to share the gospel. God, I know that more than anything, that as we share, you want us to display the reality that there is a God who loves us, who made us. We have meaning and purpose. We have design. We were meant for something. And our world doesn't know anything about that. And I'm just so convicted, Father, that the world needs us, those who have true fellowship with the living God, those who know the Father, know Jesus Christ, who you sent, that the quality of our life, the power that exists in what we do and say is different, is unique, is unexplainable because it's the power of the Spirit. It's the power of people, bodies, living temples of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God living in us. Father, where we lack belief of what you're capable of, will you open our eyes? Will you help us believe? Will you help our unbelief? Will you, will you help us to be expectant of what you can do? Father, it's just so easy to doubt. It's so easy when we don't see it, when we're not experiencing it, to believe that rivers of living water can flow from us. That Jesus, you invite us to come and drink and that there are now wells of salvation that we can draw from with joy. And that the way that we are in this world can be completely different because 
with us. Forgive us for being consumed and busied with many other things, anxious with many other things, and not willing to just follow Dad into the adventure and to know the love of the Father. God, help us to be excited about what's possible. To be people that you can trust with your power. To be transformed in the very image of Jesus who laid down his life for a world that did not deserve it. If we are a community that looks like that, Houston, Texas will feel it. And we want Houston, Texas to feel it. We want them to know that the words that we speak are backed up by the lives that we live. And that only comes from enjoying you, knowing you, and walking with you day by day. You're not asking for our lives. You're asking for our days, Jesus. You're asking for tomorrow. I just ask, Holy Spirit, you would speak in this place tonight. I bless this church and I bless every guest that's in here. I ask you would speak so clearly to us. You would convict us, but that you would also bring us great joy and remind us of what your love is like.